You're listening to the Coast Watch Podcast, proudly brought to you by Tonic Polarised Eyewear. See what you're missing. Here's your host, Dave Gramble, and remember, don't destroy what you came to enjoy. G'day folks, and welcome to another episode of the Coast Watch Podcast. I'm Dave Granville, and today we're joined by the one and only Robert Smith, or Smithy as he's far better known, from Smithy's Fishing Charters on the Sunshine Coast. Welcome, Smithy. G'day, Dave. Um, I guess we go back about 20 years, I think, and probably the first time I remember meeting you would have been on um, Parksy's 40 Blackwatch first class when I got my first blue, and we had Rossi Martin on the deck. Jeez, that is that is going back, mate. You do have a good memory. Actually, um, I think you're known around the place as a bit of an encyclopedia for... Um, for fishing and, and, and boating information, aren't you, mate? If, if there's ever you need to know anything, just call Smithy. Um, well, I think that's that's what carries into your fishing a bit, isn't it? It's it's a funny sport where or occupation, you know, where it's a bit of the chess game, it's a bit of skill as in tying knots and having good sea legs and then it's the, you know, re- recounting past, events and seasons to put yourself in the right spot at the right time so yeah it's a funny mix the old game definitely definitely mate now um i'll just say thanks very much for for joining us obviously because um you know uh i know you're a busy busy man and you most of the time you're on charter but um yeah this 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 covid lockdown makes things a little bit difficult i assume um you've uh you've been affected by that have you mate yeah, well, I um, snuck Saturday in, so the lockdown was actually called whilst we were out at sea. Uh, we were just back in by four o'clock when it was all supposed to shut down, but I guess my guys were travelling home um, after the four o'clock on Saturday, but what could you do? Like, yeah. that was, we were out at sea when it got announced by the government. Yeah. Yes, it's been a slow old week, and, yeah, it's a bit up in the air about how you interpret all the rules. Yeah, yeah. Or not. Well, you guys obviously, um, I mean, you have enough to deal with, whether it be weather or boat issues and that, and then, you know, then they throw this stuff in you. But anyway, we, we could talk about um, COVID all day long, but let's talk about fishing instead. So um, for those that don't know you, and I, and I don't think there'd be many, but um, obviously Malula Bar here on the Sunshine Coast is, is your home port. And um, how, how many years you been operating now, now, mate? So, funnily enough, just the other day, July 30, that was my last day of normal work um, 13 years ago. So, I've, essentially, the business has been going 13 years, but I th- it was probably spent all of the 1st of August getting my boat ready. I mean, my first charter boat, which was the six-metre Stavy craft and I was probably really only up and running in about the September of that year, whatever that is, yeah. 07 or something like that, I think it was. Yeah. And um, and so, and you own Capricorn now. What's what's that boat? It's a... Um... Um, so it's, it's just a concept that never really took off. Um, so Ray Savazo that used to own Relax, he sort of had a bit of a dream about building boats. And uh, so my boat... Capricorn, the original one, was hand-built. Um, so Nelson Rabel and Lee Clough were the naval architect and builder and designer. Um, so mine's hand-built. It's foam composite. Um, so it would have been 
built like um, a lot of the, say, American customs where they would have had the jig. They sheathed the jig in, in the composite and then glassed over it, pulled the jig out, glassed the inside, and then glassed the bulkheads in. Uh, so mine was the female um, part of the mould. So out of the mould, there's been two popped out of the mould in solid glass, but mine's composite. Okay, okay. Um, so, the, so three three of them around. And, and it's actually called a Capricorn 770 from memory, is it? Yeah, that's that's what Ray named it, or a 7.7 sport fisher or game fisher yep. or something. Um, so boat two, game day, it used to live on the Brisbane River, um, and it ended up going up to Papua New Guinea. And then boat three was Ray's personal boat, which was actually built as a centre console configuration. Um, he went that's up right. to it Sundays with him for a bit, and then George from Relax had it for a bit down here in the southeast corner, and then... Uh, it's sold to a commercial fisherman from Bundaberg, Peter Packman, um, who's a big player in the commercial spanner crab industry up at Bundaberg. Um, okay. He bought it as his personal mackerel boat, so he day to day mackerel fishes out of it now. Okay. I think they had to pull the floor out to put it into survey, but um, yeah, she's a mackerel boat. You and they're, and they're all the um, fuel jetty at Burnet. Okay, and they're and they're all single diesel shaft drives, aren't they? So that was Ray's concept, the 2.5 metres beam, so they're still legally trailable. That was before they relaxed all that, those rules, and you know, that then American boats sort of came in and dominated the market. So when it was still 2.5 beam, that was Ray's concept, plus, um, you know, the economy from the single shaft. So I, I run at about 1.1 kilometres a litre for a 240-horsepower four-cylinder Yanmar. So nice. you're pretty much running the same as a 150 outboard, I guess. So um, big, yeah. big boat, doing it cheap. Not yeah. s- no speed machine. I, I cruise at 18, 19 knots. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do it at 1.1 kilometres a litre. Yeah, so from a charter perspective, it's nice to be able to, you know, be relatively affordable on on fuel for the for the day. So, how, how many clients do you take? How, how much? Is... Um, I'm actually in survey for seven, which is ridiculous. I've done a few sevens, a few sixes, but I just prefer to keep it at four or five customers. Yeah. Um, just on the single shaft drive, Dave. I, I guess you might have seen Seawolf over in the South Pacific that um, Tom from Ultimate Ladies just set up, which mm, is the same concept but on a bigger scale. Yeah, I have seen. It's beautiful looking boat. Yep. So yeah, that's it. If you you're not carrying that second motor around, um, you can and you can get the efficiency out of your single. Um, it's definitely the way to go for charter operation. Yeah. Nice. Now a little bit about your history, Smithy. You um, you're a country boy before moving to the coast, weren't you? Yeah, that's correct. Um, oh, I guess I sort of came up through the the answer sport fishing side of things. So I'm not really from a fishing family, so catching the feed sort of wasn't a big deal. A lot of my friends were, you know, like Harvey Bay whiting fishermen where they'd catch their 100 whiting a day and spend all afternoon filleting them and all that. So I was more, yes, into the catch and release and stuff from an early days and then tagging and stuff, freshwater empowerments. And then, yeah, if the weather was good, we'd come to the coast. Yeah, and so when... Obviously, you know, we met marlin fishing. Um, what did you mainly chase before that? Uh, well, the, a lot of the old answer comps were, you know, like five species comps and stuff like that. So you'd be trying to catch, you know, a couple of tuna on 
two kilo breaking strain. You might be chasing a few Spaniards. And then we used to have a couple of the biggest um, sport fishing competitions in southeast Queensland were the Bribey Island and um, Brisbane Sport Fishing Club comps out of Bribey Island. So we were often out in the trench chasing blacks and sails on like six kilo and stuff. Um, Wahoo at Hutchies on four kilo. So, yeah, I was sort of you know, just, you know, I'd be freshwater fishing, you know, ABT tournaments one weekend and I'd be doing a marlin comp the weekend after. Yeah, uh, that's it's no surprise at the end of the day if, if you're a good angler, you seem to be able to um, turn your skills to just about any species. Now, 13 years um, you've been doing this then. What, what was your real job before then? Uh, it's actually, I had gone to uni and studied engineering, but I'd never actually got a piece of paper. But I, I ended up being a civil engineering technical officer. It was called working for Kingaroy Council, so like a draftsman, surveyor, estimator, like an engineer's rouseabout, basically. Yeah, right. And from Kingaroy, were you mainly coming down to the Sunshine Coast or Harvey Bay or what was your stomping grounds for fishing? Um, just to hit salt water, Tinkan Bay would have been about my closest, so about an hour 40, uh, Sunshine Coast two hours. Um, I used to fish down the Gold Coast a bit, um, which would be a three-hour drive from out at home. So, yeah, that, that, anywhere in that southeast corner from Bundaberg to the Gold Coast was within three hours. Yeah, nice. So um, when, when it... Uh, customer rings you up and wants you to take them fishing. What sort of services do you offer? What styles of fishing? And, um, you know, I know you do a bit of, um, sort of specialty stuff from time to time, but what do you, what do you mainly try and cater for? Oh, I guess the way the bookings go that it's pretty well known in southeast Queensland that winter time is snapper time and they're the main species that we catch. So, and we target them a lot. Obviously, right at this moment, we're in the middle of the month long snapper and pearl perch closure. Um, so at the moment, I'm chasing a lot of amberjack and kingfish and then that's sort of the way my clientele's gone a bit lately is is the guys that are into the jigging. So we are jigging for the amberjacks and kingies. And then, you know, it, ordinarily we would be catching snapper and pearl perch on jigs, but we're sort of just trying to avoid them at the moment. Yeah, I suppose you obviously have your spots where you know you're going to be more likely to encounter those uh, those fish like pearlies and snapper with that are in the close season. So you've got your amberjack spots and and you stick to those at the moment. So, yeah, it's it's um, an interesting concept, um, the snapper closure and pearl perch closure. Obviously, it must have a little bit of an impact on your business as well, does it? But do you think overall it's a good idea? Oh, it's certainly having an impact. Um, in a perfect world, I was going to actually pull my boat out for maintenance again like I did last year in that period and just sort of give it away. But uh, as it worked out, I, I had to pull my boat out um, unplanned and, and it was in quite good nick, the antifowl and anodes, et cetera. So I've, I've sort of worked through the, the closure and, that, yeah, I've been able to do it quite successfully with the amberjack and kingies um, for bait fishermen. I've got pretty good parrot and husser spots where I don't really interact with any snapper or pearly, so I've been quite happy to go there too. And even deep dropping is the other option at the moment to avoid 
you know, any interactions with the Snapper and Pearlies. Been yeah. a few people take me up on that. Yeah. Um, current's been a bit strong on the shelf, unfortunately, though, during this period. But, yeah, you know, it's some days it'll all come together and they'll bite. Yeah. So have you found, you know, over the years your um, clientele has changed a bit from your traditional bottom bashing bait fishermen and more guys are turning up with the with the slow pitch jigging gear and um and you know chasing the kingies and amberjacks and even oh even the pearlies and snappers i suppose it's pretty popular technique to do the slow jigging yeah um yeah certainly you get you know all walks of life of course coming out on charter um there's been a little bit of progression there's certainly you know people still want to get their money back in fillets and dollars a kilo in fillets um you know, which we try to accommodate and up to the bag limit, of course. Um, you know, sometimes it all comes together and, yeah, you do feel the esky. And then other guys, you know, holiday makers, for instance, are staying in a motel room. They might want to take one fish home because, you know, they, all they can eat is the fish yeah. that night and everything else is a waste. And so we do, you know, end up letting a lot of fish go, some some charters. And then, of course, it's all seasonal. So, yeah. You know, winter it's more demersal, summer it's more pelagic. So if yeah. we do get a chance to chase, you know, marlin and sailfish some days, um, you know, Spanish mackerel probably aren't such a good release candidate. Um, they're mostly retained for a feed um, and then it depends on your length of trip too. So your mackerel being an inshore species are better suited for your shorter trips and then your marlin trips, you know, might be longer days and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So what is a standard day for you on oh, charter? I just probably meet the same as everyone else in town and, and we do five-hour half days, seven-hour three-quarters and nine-hour um, full days. I do the odd 12-hour. Um, that's usually more for, like, going out on the shelf for blues or a bit of deep dropping or I'll do the three-hour run-up to level with double island point and fish up there for the day and and three hour run home so yeah ordinarily it's an hour hour and a half out to the banks bottom of the hards and then you know an hour and a half to two hours back home from the top of the hards yeah and are you you finding like it's it's getting harder and harder to you know catch a feed or are you still managing to um keep the customers happy um, I, it's definitely getting harder, but at the same time, you know, you get another year experience under your belt. So yeah. the goalposts might be moving, but I'm moving with them. So I'm certainly fishing a lot more subtle stuff than I used to. Like it doesn't take much for a fish, you know, a one metre lift to a fish that's 300 mils high is still like a two-storey building, isn't it? So gotcha. um, I'm not necessarily looking at the big obvious structure and then the big obvious structure now with all these electronic um, charts and stuff, it's all out there at everyone's fingertips. So right. There's certainly a lot of stuff out there that I fish that does not show up on on the really good um, bathymetric charts. Gotcha. I, I'm fishing a lot more subtle stuff. Yeah, um, and that's that. It's you're right. Got harder, mm. but it's I'm keeping in front of the game. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, obviously, you know, being on the water as much, if not more, than anyone, it it makes all the difference. And as you say, quite often it is those little spots that um, not everyone knows about that. Uh, yeah, make can make the difference between a an average day and a, a good day. Um, something that I've encountered myself 
recently that seems to be getting worse and worse is the shark population. Have you noticed that as well? Uh, yeah, definitely over the years they've got worse. Um, it's still a day-to-day proposition, but and and you know it's it has changed the fishing fishing out here in some regards. Like when I first started, you know there was obviously a lot of um, commercial line fishers um, through a various bunch of things like VMS and boats in survey, plus the shark problem. You know, you do not see many commercial fishers out the front here fishing full snapper anymore because, A, it's either not economically viable, you know, they've all left the industry, and the sharks, they can't fish how they used to. It used to be get out there, get an anchor, pump the burly, bring the fish to you from hundreds of metres away, well, you know, a few pumps on the burly munching now and two turns up, a shark, of course. So, mm. you know, they catch one or two snapper and, and then it just all turns into heads. So, you know, they've got to drive away in frustration. There's no point flogging a dead horse sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very interesting, mate. And um, is there, you know, if you if you do you ever get to fish for yourself, like um, if you're, if you're not on charter, do you do you still get a chance to go and have a fish yourself? Um, definitely. There's you know days where you get like a lot of crew go down with seasickness, and then you sort of end up on a rod because you've got tons of room, and you're just trying to catch a few fish for the guys. You know, put in the esky to make their trip worthwhile if they're not, you know, participating. Um, I had a very memorable experience, my biggest ever snapper and the biggest for the boat. I actually caught myself because um, I'd started the morning out, soft plastic on, you know, in close on on chasing snapper and I had quite an elderly crew that were quite, you know, old school and and so we didn't give it too long and then, of course, I had them all on bait and then I was chucking a lure out the one side just to sort of prove a point and sure enough I hooked up and then it was a – Massive, big 98-centimetre snapper on 15 pounds, so it's run underneath wow. the bow of the boat. So, you know, normally I would have handed over to a customer, but here I have a rampaging fish underneath the boat on 15 pound and then fought it around the back of the boat, dodged, and, and that all the while like, there was a couple of the guys were pulling in a couple of nice-sized squire on bait while all this was going on, and then, you know, here's this monster snapper floated up, you know, 15 metres out the back of the boat. I've got to try and get it in and get it netted. And sure enough, it ended up a 98 centimetre cracker. Not yeah. where you would have expected one. And uh, ordinarily, you know, one of the customers would have got to wind it in, but it was such a hectic thing going on that yeah, I just sort of ended up on the rod the whole time. <laughs> well, it was time. obviously meant to be, mate. That's a that's definitely a snapper of a lifetime. I know I haven't caught any that big. And, um, yeah, that's an absolute beauty i'd uh i was still gunning for a meter my yeah. old neighbor up the street had a meter and two and then uh i had a one customer got a um we weighed it back at the jetty at 9.98 kilos so i'd still love to crack a 10 plus and they're, they're out there in southeast queensland there's a couple of famous photos doing the rounds on the internet of brett singh um, one of the cruise craft boys it's got them around 13 kilos from in front of Stratty, so they're out there. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, they're proper fish, aren't they? Yeah, that, that's awesome, Smithy. Well, mate, I think, um, you know, that's given us a bit of an insight to to your life and uh, and your fishing career and the, and the charter business as it stands at the moment. Um, I can't wait to have a fish with you myself, actually, so um, I'd like to uh, come down one day and do a bit of a walk around the boat with you, um, 
one of the things we're going to have on the new Coast Watch website is a, a My Boat section where, um, you know, we're going to feature uh, people's boats. And, um, yeah, I'd love to have a walk around with you at some point and maybe come for a fish. So, Smithy. Yeah, um, certainly, you know, until you've owned a diesel boat, the people are very, you know, stuck in their ways with having outboard boats. And, and from a commercial perspective, like, you know, I put 13,000 hours on my first wow. motor before it blew up and 18,000 hours on my first gearbox. You, wow. just, yeah. you don't get those sort of hours out of outboards. That's, so, in, that's um, incredible, isn't it? That's a serious amount of work, yeah. And, and I'm not a mechanic, but, yeah. like, they're very, very simple machines that if you treat them right by doing simple stuff like filters and oil, you know, you keep them going and then they, they treat you well back. Now, um... I know you've got uh, a lot of people follow you on Facebook, etc. But um, if someone wants to get in touch with uh, Smithy's Fishing Charters and uh, come and catch a feed, what's the best way they make touch with you, mate? Uh, email's always the best. If you're out at sea, you know, obviously it's a bit hectic that I can't answer the phone necessarily all the time. Um, yeah, PMs and DMs, probably second best. Um, and then, yeah, phone and text would be my least favourite way because, uh, you know, half a day out at sea and you, everyone's getting on to you to see what's going on. Your text messages go way down the page, you know, by the end of the day. So definitely email um, and uh, – but all methods are fine and yeah. I, you know – Get back to them eventually. Try to concentrate so on getting back to everyone. What's, what's, the, what's the email address, Smithy? Uh, so I'm just info at – smithiesfishing.com.au or just google smithiesfishing should come up yep so smithiesfishing is the is .com.au is the website that's it yep beautiful work mate well um really appreciate your time and um yeah like i said can't wait to come for a fish with you one of these days and um yeah we'll see if we can um beat that 98 centimeter snapper once the uh once the closure opens eh yeah, roger that. Anytime. Well, there you go, folks. That's Smithy from Smithy's Fishing Charters here on the Sunshine Coast. If you'd like to spend a day on the water with the big man himself, then check out smithysfishingcharters.com.au. And we'll catch you guys on the next podcast.